This season of Moms in the Middle is brought to you by Lego Duplo. Support your toddler's imagination. Things that are healthy for you may not always feel good the first time you do them. Do them anyway. It's the behavior that counts. And then what you will see is over time, not only will it get easier, but then how great it feels. So then that becomes the reward. Then you can continue on that path. This is Moms in the Middle, the podcast for busy parents who need a little help keeping their hustle in check. I'm Melanie Ng, mom of a busy three-year-old named Josh. And my name is Ivanka Osmak. I have a two-year-old named George. Okay, picture this. You are in the middle of a lovely holiday lunch with family when all of a sudden the conversation goes south. Uh Uh-oh arguments over politics. Maybe someone's had a little bit too much to drink. (laughs) Aunt Cindy keeps on asking you, why aren't you having more kids? It's usually Aunt Cindy that drinks too much. Every time. Yes. Perfect combo. So that is just the tip of the awkward holiday iceberg when it comes to family dynamics. The question is, how do you keep the peace and who gets a piece of your time when it comes to immediate family, in-laws and friends? Ivanka, I don't know about you, but Scheduling is the bane of my existence when it comes to the holidays because everyone wants to see everyone and you don't want to let everyone down. And I think things have changed since I've had a child because you want to start your own traditions. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you're trying to explain, you know, in our household, we have, we believe in Santa Claus or we're telling him. So Santa's going to come down our chimney. And I know the questions are going to be like, well, if we're at grandma's or if we're at, you know, whomever's house, is Santa going to be able to find me? So you kind of want to be, wake up in your own house and have your own tree, right? Like those traditions. I love those traditions. When do you start those traditions and leave your childhood ones behind? Yes. So try to find a common denominator somewhere, make everyone happy. But I don't think you can make everyone happy. I think that's going to be a big theme. And I've already discovered that over the last few years, at least since we've had Josh. Mm -hmm. Um, But also... I always find myself in the middle of weird conversations, awkward. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm the one in it, but I happen to be sitting where there is an argument or just a tense moment, and I don't know where the out is. What do you do? I got to go load the dishwasher or I got to get out of here because this feels weird. Yeah. There's got to be a solution or at least at least a guideline of how you should handle being in this, because especially if you're not actually involved in the conversation. So lots to unpack here, which is why we brought in the pro, Dr. Natasha Sharma. She is an emotional fitness expert, TEDx speaker, mother to two boys, ages six and three. She's also the creator of the best-selling book, The Kindness Journal. It's a guided daily journal to developing a positive mindset, being more self-caring and compassionate, and designing a brilliant life, which sounds fantastic. And we keep getting guests who have boys. We do. There's a boys not, theme. I swear we've never. Chance. Right? We're not doing that on purpose. No, of course not. Uh, Dr. Sharman, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay. I think we should dive right into it because we're almost in the thick of the holidays. Who you're going to see, what your plans are, what you're going to do. How do you start to rummage through all of that? I think it comes down to sort of at the core Um, understanding how and being confident about setting one's boundaries. And we tend to not be very good at this in general. And really, that's kind of what this comes down to. When you're going to decide how you're going to assign your most precious asset, which is your time, I think, you know, there's definitely considerations that you you can take into, into consideration. For example, you know, if somebody has a preference for the 24th or the 25th or depending on what holiday around this time that you're celebrating, then, you know, if you can somehow accommodate them and it's not sort of unnecessarily sacrificing your own 
um, sanity and happiness, then why not, you know? But I think uh, the trouble comes when two people or two families are fighting for the same day or they're putting a lot of pressure. And I think we we do needlessly stress ourselves. We get ourselves distressed over that. And I don't think we have to do that if we are confident in how we want to split our time and set that limitation appropriately with those parties, those families. But how do you go about those conversations? Because um, everyone seems to want, so I I celebrate Christmas, Ivanka, you celebrate Mm -hmm. Christmas. Um, Everyone seems to want Christmas Day. You know, Mm -hmm. that is the coveted Christmas Day. And I know um, if you have a bigger family or if you have a family that's divorced or whatnot, splitting time gets even harder. How do you say to, say, your mother-in-law, I'm so sorry, I don't think we're going to be able to do it this year without them feeling disappointed or angry and holding a grudge? So, Basically, the way you do it is exactly the way you said it, except remove the word think, don't think. (laughs) No, just make it affirmative. Yeah, I'm sorry, we aren't going to make it this year on this date. Here are the other options that we can come and see you. Now, the second piece was, how do you avoid them being disappointed? You can't. (laughs) I mean, maybe, maybe not everyone will react with disappointment, but I think we have to accept the fact that People may be disappointed in the choices that we make, but we have to make them for ourselves. It doesn't make us uncaring or inconsiderate. Uh, Sometimes we may choose to sacrifice or make, you know, that accommodation because we care for someone, we want to do something for them. But if we consistently and repeatedly do things that we'd actually rather say no to, that's going to come back to us and make we're going to internalize that stress and, and pop eventually. It's, it's, it's not, we can't sacrifice ourselves for everyone else. So to answer your question, you can't avoid people being, being disappointed. What we need to do is separate their disappointment in us not being there from their disappointment in us. So it's not the same thing. You can be disappointed that someone isn't showing up. You know, I'm sorry, I can't make your wedding because I can't afford it or it's too far away or I'm having a baby. We tend to internalize that as they're disappointed in me. No, they're just disappointed naturally that you can't be there and that's okay. But my big rule, Dr. Natasha, is this. I want to be able to wake up Christmas morning in my home with my child in his bed, in his jammies. We wake up with the tree and all that good stuff. We have had offers to sleep over at, say, my mother-in-law's or even at my parents'. There's something about it that I I want to create my own traditions. And I think it goes to what you were saying is what's going to make you happy? What mm-hmm. will, right? And I don't think any of my family members at this point are going to say, oh my gosh, they don't want to sleep in my house. That's I think, selfish, yeah. I think they'll be disappointed. But is that okay to create your own traditions and tell people that's why? This is now our family and why we're doing it this way. Absolutely. I think, again, it comes back to... Uh, designing the life that you want to live, not designing the life other people want you to live with them. And this is raises a really interesting topic between the sweet spot between being selfless and selfish, because we're taught to be very selfless and to go, you know, yeah, I'm going to come to your place because you want me to wake up in your home on Christmas morning. And even though I want to stay home, I want to make you happy. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to be selfless. It, it is, I think, okay to give ourselves permission to design the kind of life and make the kind of choices that we want. And that includes waking up on Christmas morning in your home. I don't think that's unreasonable. And again, it goes back to just be very confident in what you want. And uh, you don't even have to justify why. If people ask you why, it's up to you whether you want to share it or not. But you don't need to position that as, here's the justification. There is no justification. You're allowed to make the choice. <laughs> 
for your life and your family to wake up in your own home and to do other things. This extends way beyond the holidays and, and it kind of extends to your life and how you choose to live your life. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. A lot yeah. of the grumbling and I think restlessness of the holidays comes from, well, I had to drive here for one holiday celebration. Then I had to drive to the other side of the city or province for another. Yeah. And that sometimes takes the fun out of it because you're spending most of your time traveling you to know, get to all these other places. You know why it takes the fun? Because you're using language. I have to do this. I no. have to drive here. I have to drive there. Actually, you don't have to do anything. Right? Yeah. We don't have to. <laughs> I love that. We don't <laughs> it's have true. to do anything. We needlessly distress ourselves by putting the, it's called demandingness, where we self-demand. I have to do this. I should do that. I'm supposed to go there. Um, I must go visit Aunt Ruth or what have mm-hmm. you. Actually, none of that is true. It's what we prefer and what they prefer. And then you have to decide accordingly. Other people have their preferences. We need to define our own. It's not a question of shoulding and having, but we do it. We should all over ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it almost sounds like another word, does, but yes, <laughs> which, is, which is very close. Okay, so once you get to the holiday gathering, you're all sitting around the table, whether for lunch, for dinner, or, you know, exchanging presents. And then those awkward conversations come up. It it happens, right? There's always that rogue cousin or aunt or whatever. Or maybe it's it's your immediate family and you you get along really well. But but the conversation, as Mel said earlier, just turns south. How do you get things back on track or how do you how do people manage, you know, those awkward situations around family? I sort of know which topics are we really disagree on. Occasionally, it's nice to have, you know, a, an interesting debate. It's boring if you only hang around and speak with people who agree with you. But that being said, the holidays are a time to have fun and enjoy each other's company and feel connected. And that doesn't mean that we can't have some friendly uh, debates and, and be on opposing sides of things. It makes life interesting, right? Um, I'm always a firm believer in that and being skeptical. But it can definitely go overboard and it can ruin what's supposed to be a happy and warm occasion. So I think, again, it comes down to using strategies to really nip that in the bud. So if you're in the mood to engage in a debate, go for it. If it starts to get out of hand, uh, change the subject and really move on to a different topic or just avoid them altogether if you know it's not something you want to get into, like with your mother-in-law, your Mm father-in-law, your brother-in-law. If it persists, if the person persists, try leaving the conversation or the room if it's a big sort of event. If you're sitting at the table and you can't leave or if it's not appropriate to leave, uh, then, you know, you might reach a point where you say, you know what, I'm not really in the mood to talk about this. I appreciate you have your opinions on this. That's fine. That's your entitled to it. Let's move on to something else. I'm not, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah. Um, my husband likes to get into heated conversations and not because he wants to pick a fight, but he is, he loves talking politics. He yeah. loves talking, you know, a little bit of controversy. Now, he, him and his brother do have, you know, some heated arguments at many gatherings. And I actually said to him before the last gathering, before we even got there, dear, I know you like to fire it up a little bit, please. Today, just bite your tongue a little bit. We're here together. How do you feel about those conversations in advance? Because I don't want him or any other family member, for that matter, to feel like I'm, like, please don't say anything. But I also want to tame the beast before the beast is unveiled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what do you think about that? I think if it, it's been consistently a problem that you both have agreed has been a problem, you know, like he agrees in the aftermath on previous family gatherings. Oh, yeah, like, why did I go there? And yeah, I, I just, once I get into a topic, I, I start running with it and I get really passionate. And yeah, I, I, and if he if he sort of recognizes that maybe 
um, he can occasionally take it too far and then feels a little bit regretful or remorseful, then yes. Then yeah, you guys can kind of pep talk each other and try, you know, but at the same time, just like you don't want to over prepare yeah. for, for something like this. You don't want to be, rehearse yourself and have so many rules again going into an event that you're supposed to have fun and be natural and relaxed mm-hmm. so you know we we want to feel comfortable being ourselves but trying to be respectful and kind and reasonable with all the other guests it's not the it's not the <laughs> natasha show or the yeah. nell show or, yeah. or yeah. whatever your husband's name show it's yeah. it's it's everyone. Right? I want to get back to this. Was there an ending to this story? <laughs> now I feel like I'm waiting to ask you. Um, okay, so he did. He did bite his tongue, and in fact, it turned into a funny conversation because he said, uh, "Mel, Mel told me everyone." before this not to talk about this and this and this and not to get into it with you because of this and then they laughed about it they laughed yeah. about it because they knew they had a bit of a blow up at the previous the previous engagement right. so they had something to discuss and maybe then I became the center of attention be like well Mel why did you talk to your husband right. and so, so um, it became something funny but of course it's not always funny if it gets really heated yeah. to something where you know maybe family members aren't talking to one another at that point but okay so that's at the table mm-hmm. I talked to someone earlier and they said just say you have to load the dishwasher and get out of the room <laughs> Yeah. Well, I always yeah, now kids are fine. the greatest excuse. Because, totally. you know, if, if they say something or if they need to get up or go to the washroom, you're like, okay, I'm just going to run out with the child, you know? Totally. The biggest skill here is to the takeaway is to don't take these things personally. So I'm, get, I'm getting, like, talking about lots of, like, sort of the top ways we as human beings distress ourselves, actually, in this show. We distress ourselves by personalizing everything. We take other people's differences and opinions and they're sort of the way they want to express themselves as some kind of personal offense on us. It's not. It's not about us. It's about them. And you can find these creative ways to just, you know, kind of check out and, okay, got to go. So you still come off as polite and and you're not firing back, but you're excusing yourself from Mm -hmm. the situation. Joining us now is today's parent editor-in-chief, Kim Schiffman. And Kim, I can't help but notice every year on your toy guide, you've got to have Lego Duplo. They're always creating something new and it's always included for good reason, I'm sure. Yeah, all the toys are tested and the Lego Duplo construction sets always seem to make it into the guide because, well, for obvious reasons. You know, they're so great for building fine motor skills. They develop building and demolition skills. Kids can hold the little figures and role play. So yeah, just a great lasting toy. Is there anything fresh for 2019 that they've come out with? Oh my gosh, this Mickey's Vacation House. That's the one, George and I got that and we got to test it, my two-year-old son. And it was fantastic because he, you know, took out the pamphlet. He was excited about reading the pamphlet and getting all the pieces and scattering them all over. But I found that it was really, even as a two-year-old, it was really easy for him to manage with his tiny little hands. Yeah, it makes such a great gift because you know it's going to last and it's never going to feel outdated. It's never going to break. Yeah. And one other thing about the Mickey's Vacation House, um, was I couldn't believe George's association with Mickey and Minnie Mouse. I mean, we've never been to, you know, an amusement park like that or anything, but immediately he recognized Mickey, Minnie, Pluto, and Goofy. And even after long we had built and and demolished the vacation house, he was playing with the plane and just pretending that they were all taking their turn to be the pilot. That's so cute. Well, you can see all the toys uh, from the Today's Parent Toy Guide at todaysparent.com slash toys or in our November, December issue. Awesome. Thanks, Kim. Thanks. Let's talk kids. Everyone has their own set of parenting rules, and certainly we've talked a lot about it on Moms in the Middle. But when it comes to bringing lots of kids together who have different parenting (laughs) styles or, you know, different rules— 
even if they're cousins, even if you're super close with your siblings, how they raise their children might not be the exact same way you raise yours. Mm-hmm. Now you're in this environment where you're together. Sometimes you're together for a, a full day or an evening, a couple days even. Oh, yeah. So yeah. so you've got all these different dynamics and your kids are getting, you know, maybe hearing, hearing from different people, different rules, and they're seeing their cousins do one thing a certain way. They're used to doing it another how do you approach all that and handle that? I think um, speaking professionally, but also personally, and I can tell you about that, but I think it's uh, you got to pick your battles. So when we're coming together with family, we have to allow certain leniences for influence. And if we try and intervene in every single way, how are our children going to learn to think for themselves and decide for themselves? They're going to be exposed to multiple differences, like not just within your own home, different parenting styles with their friends in the classroom and people will treat them in various ways uh, in life. So it's hard because we want, you want to strike that balance, but I think it really comes down to pick your battles. So for me, when my uh, kids get together with their cousins, my, my niece and nephew are amazing kids, but they're allowed a lot of screen time and we don't allow, we're very strict with screen time. So when they get together, you know, I sort of accept in advance and expect in advance, my kids are going to be on screens more when they're around their cousins Mm -hmm. up to a point. And I'm give, I give myself over to that. I'm not going to fight that because it's not going to have some kind of long-term damage. Same thing with the, my in-laws also and my parents. Spoil the kids, mm-hmm. you know. Again, you want to kind of think long-term. Is this really going to harm them and their behavior? If not, let it go. <laughs> the theme of the show because honestly, Ivanka and I are both sitting here like tense, so tense and going, what do you true. mean? Like every episode, whenever we have a guest, we're like, what do you mean that's okay? Yeah. It's okay to exhale. I know. Okay. That- and, and then if, there, if it does sort of become a situation where it is having an impact on influencing them and shaping them in a way that is not consistent with your values as a family, that's a time when, you know, you might want to intervene and say something. But to be honest, using that advice, if you really adhere to it, you will have that. Com- you should have that conversation in less than five percent of incidences because hopefully it's rare. Okay, um, yeah. staying with the kids now. This mm-hmm. is a topic that is a it's a controversial one, and it's about showing your affection over the holidays. So we have some people who are huggers, and they expect some sort of greeting from your child, however old they may be two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever. How do you feel about the hugging? as a greeting for the kids to the older relatives. Kids are going to model themselves, that we're modeling our behavior. They're going to model themselves after us to a point. You know, they're sort of born deaf, I like to say. They they do what they see, not what they hear. So if you um, are modeling that kind of behavior, they might follow suit. That being said, again, we sort of want to teach them, not sort of, we want to teach them to decide for themselves. We want to teach them that freedom And not that they have to, now we go back to the have to, you're not supposed to hug anyone. It should be something that they learn to freely and consciously choose to do. But there's reasons you might want to do that. That's why we, what, that's what I teach my kids. So my uh, in-laws and my parents, obviously they, they do the same thing. They ask for the hugs. And what I do is I tell my son, it's your choice. It's up to you. My older one, he's six. And I say, it's, it's up to you if you want to give your babka or your nani a hug um, but here's why, what could help you decide. She's, you know, just had you over for the afternoon. She f- gave you lunch. You know, she loves you. you. You obviously have a good relationship. It makes her feel good when you hug her. Uh, now, that being said, this decision's up to you. I mean, I sort of say this in a very six-year-old level mm-hmm. in a very small way. But what I'm teaching him is you can do this for the social benefits. There are lots of social benefits. It means something to her. It's like giving her a gift. And just like he wants hugs sometimes— 
Sometimes when he's not in the mood for a hug, he can give one because somebody else is, but he can choose to do that consciously and freely. When he wants a hug I, and, and it's not coming to him, he, he can feel free to ask for one himself. So it's sort of in reverse. It works both ways. And what you're trying to um, teach them and help them learn is that it's something that they can choose to give. And that there are social benefits from doing that, both to the person that they're hugging or being physically affectionate with and themselves. Because yeah. you do, not even relatives, but strangers sometimes. Mm, yeah. And we talk, you know, um, we both celebrate, or I think we all celebrate Christmas. And so there's the Santa. Does he have to get up close? Sometimes Santa even asks for a hug. And it's like, I, do you? I, maybe I'm thinking too much about germs or, or like, it, it, the stranger danger. What is that movie? Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> But, you know, teaching your child, like, okay, it's okay to hug that person, but it's not okay to hug that stranger, or that stranger's okay. So maybe you should set some ground rules. I try not to force, you know, as much as possible, not to force kids to do these things where it makes sense for them to have a choice. Because they live in a world where they already don't have a lot of choice. You know, it gets more and more as they get older, but they already live in this very confined, set-out world where they don't have a lot of choice. So any opportunity for them to choose is a great opportunity to give it to them. And to not question them or shame them on the basis of their choice, if that makes sense. Whether they want to sit on Santa's lap or hug a, hug a stranger. What's wrong with hugging a stranger? Unless the stranger says, like, okay, like, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's kind of nice. I mean, it's not something that they're going to socially grow up and do, right? They're going to learn at some point how to, you know, modulate that behavior. But, but why not, right? It's, you know what I'm a big fan of? The high five. The high five is your easy out of a lot of things. Fist bump, fist bump. We're doing that these days. And it also is one of those, well, we know this time of the season, people are sick too. Mm -hmm. So the kind of the air high five, the fist bump, you can kind of use that as an easy out too. I've I've done that with my son when he feels kind of, I I don't know if I want to hug this person. I'm like, well, give him a high high five. Yeah. We're out. We're good, right? Um, Okay. And I know we talked earlier about scheduling and that was mostly with the in-laws and the parents, the grandparents. But what about if you're in a divorce family and, um, well, you have to share the kids. Mm-hmm. You have to share the time. What's the sensible, mature way to to go about that? <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> Sometimes there is no rational way as we are irrational. Our emotions are often irrational. As best as possible, I think the two uh, parents or the, the the two families need to sit down and kind of Make a case for what's most important to them and why. Which block of time is most important and why. Sometimes it's easy, you know, where one family's holiday falls more towards the new year and and the other falls more towards the sort of traditional 24th, 5th. But in the cases where you're both fighting for a day, I think it's a question of, you know what, just draw straws. You know, keep it neutral. If, If it's getting heated, let fate play its hand. Just draw straws. And then the next year, swap, you know, and there you go. You've got it now from this point forward. We drew straws one one year and then just swap it out every year just to kind of keep the arguing and the fighting off the table and, you know. Yeah. What you're saying sounds easy. The let it go and do it for yourself and, you know, the person might be disappointed, but they're not disappointed in you. That mm-hmm. sounds all easy. But I know I have a guilty conscience. I think you're the same as Always, me. But yeah. it, would just, it would just eat at me and, and that stress I would feel. So how does it ever get to the point where it is easy? I think when it's practiced, absolutely. Anything that's sort of uh, uh, repeated becomes easier over time and just more natural. But you're right. It isn't an easy thing to do. And that's for a couple of reasons. One, we are evolved to seek the approval of other people. And the reason for that is pretty clear. We need the approval of our fellow human beings to survive, you know, for, for longevity of life. And 
The other thing is we're heavily socialized to put other people first. And so this makes for it to be very difficult to actually put into practice the saying of the no and to be at least at ease with it because many of us are plagued with those thoughts of they're not going to like me anymore. They're disappointed in me. I didn't please them. We're sort of built to be people pleasers. But the first, second time, third time might be difficult. Do it anyway. I always say to people, um, clients, uh, anyone that I'm sort of working with, things that are healthy for you may not always feel good the first time you do them. Do them anyway. It's the behavior that counts. And then what you will see is over time, not only will it get easier, but you'll be able to tap in. Because straight away when people start saying no and setting the limitations that work for them, they actually see initially it's uncomfortable, but then how great it feels. So then that becomes the reward, right, for your brain, then you can continue on that path. You can repeat that behavior more easily. But you're right. It's not easy. I just start saying no to everything now. <laughs> and when people will be surprised when we no. say yes. No, no, no. soup for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was going to say, once you throw the kids in the mix, saying no becomes so much harder because mm-hmm. you don't want to disappoint grandma or grandpa or the uncle that want to see the child, right? See, I use my kid as an, as an excuse, out? Oh. as an out all the time. But it's bad when someone, you know what, we've been caught, gotten caught in a bit of a trap because we've said to friends, oh, we can't come because we can't find a babysitter. And that person said to us, oh, we'll get a babysitter for you. <laughs> oh, shoot. So I, I have a challenge. <laughs> that's, that's aggressive, right? That's but I have a challenge for you, Ivanka. I would challenge you. I challenge you to tell your friends <laughs> the truth next time, Uh-oh. which is the truth just being, you know what, we can't make it today without having to justify, you know, not because we don't like you or because we don't want to see your home. Or Obviously, that's not the reason. You have your reasons. But instead of saying that, then you can do the harder thing. But in the long run, it will be easier and more authentic and truthful. And, and they'll, I'm telling you, if they're good friends, they'll live with it. They don't, they, don't, they don't want to come to everything you invite them to either. It's true. It's true. She's but like, I get I get it. My husband has helped me with that because I notice in emails I put a lot of just or because or yeah. have excuses mm-hmm. in it. And he says, just keep it Leave simple. It. Just yeah. you can't come. You can't do that. Whatever. And, I'm yeah. like, and it's almost liberating when you actually just, yes. you know, yeah. type it out like that. And yeah. you say, I can't make it. One more thing. Uh, holidays. Even though it's the most wonderful time of the year, apparently, you can get bogged down by the stress. And um, Is there something you say to yourself every day to stay positive? I know your book is called The Kindness Journal, but some reminders that you give yourself either daily, weekly, especially in the holidays, to just remind yourself, things are good. Things are going to be okay. Totally. The journal is to be done at night, which is interesting, but every morning, and I'll tell you why in a minute, but in the morning, I've sort of gotten into the habit of just saying one thing that I'm very appreciative for, just in my head, to myself. It took a while. I had to sort of set an alarm to do this because it <laughs> took a while to develop the habit, but then it became natural. And I just, you know, the, sort of the first thought in my head or one of the first thoughts is, what am I grateful for? Just kind of feeling um, that gratitude for just waking, just opening my eyes to another day, really. Um, very powerful, especially perspective. It gives a lot of perspective when you're feeling in a particular funk or um, you seem to have it all and yet you're not feeling um, happy or you find yourself strangely feeling not fulfilled, it really helps to go back to these gra- uh, this sort of gratitude. With the journal, I designed it to actually be done at night and it's a six uh, quick minutes where you go through uh, the positive events of the day. So we have a very strong negativity bias 
although our days are filled more often than not with positive and negative, we will hone in on that. What do you come home and talk to your spouse about? Mm -hmm. The great things are like, that guy cut me off on the way. You know, it's the first thing that we lean into uh, to the people uh, in our household. So this is sort of a way to prompt you to shift your mindset right before you go into one of the most important phases of your day, which is sleep, to remember all the positive things that happened in that day from people who were kind to you, setting an intention for the next day to reliving, doing a mindfulness exercise of reliving one of your most favorite moments. And it really helps to sort of shift that mindset and work at a subconscious level. It's really good. We are breathing in and out of this episode. Thank you so much, doctor. Thank you for having me. It was great. That was a really good, informative conversation. And I can tell we nodded a lot and our shoulders, they actually started coming down from, from our, our ears, ears <laughs> all the way down, which is a great sign. So, okay, Mel, what are you taking away? Okay, so definitely that don't take it personally, right? You, you always feel like you're going to upset someone, but know that they aren't disappointed in you per se. It's about the situation. They're disappointed that you can't make it or you can't unfortunately make it work. You just have to know that not everyone's going to be happy. You can't please everyone. And I think that's a big thing for me because you want to be a people pleaser. You want everyone to say, yes, you made that work, that work, that work. Well, guess what? It just won't work. I'm not going to say sorry for it. I'm just going to do it. How about you? Letting it go. Yeah. I think especially when it comes to grandparents and trying to spoil my son or trying to do things differently for a period of time. And you know what? Think big picture. As Dr. Sharma said, think big picture. How is it actually going to affect them? They're going to get some joy out of it if they get, you know, an extra candy or get to stay up later than usual over the holidays, whatever it may be. It's okay. I'm not going to stress about it. And, um, And I really liked her advice also about... If you can't do something, you don't need to come up with this lengthy excuse and, you know, have all your bases covered. Just say no, right? I am going to let it go and also just say no. That's my new bumper sticker. Like it. This season of Moms in the Middle is brought to you by Lego Duplo. Support your toddler's imagination. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of Moms in the Middle. As always... You know, the best way to show us that you actually like it is to rate and review the podcast wherever you get them. And here's how you can reach us outside of listening to these episodes. Of course, Frequency Podcast Network on Twitter. Also on our Instagram page, Moms in the Middle Podcast. We always love hearing from you. As always, this was produced by Stephanie Phillips. Big shout out to Steph. Thank you so much. And presented by Frequency Podcast Network.